Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a crowd podcast. Right, let's get it on. Who do you reckon the hardest comedian is? Anyone you fancy for sparring for this prep for this big fight? They've offered him out and he's took him out, knocked him out and gone back on stage. How was that? How did your comedy meet boxing at that point? Jabbing jokes out of your head. What the fuck did you just say? Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. <laughs> We've had good morning, we've had greetings, it just went hello there, totally threw me. Good morning, you sound like Kanye West. Good, bo- good morning, dude. <laughs> uh, hello, George, how old the devil were you? Fabby Dabby Dozy. Still got something left in the tank after, yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah, no, no, we're free pod week and I've been training up for it. Have you? Yeah. Um, shredding, I'll tell you what has kept me going this week. Yeah. I don't know if it's in the list of notes, but I'm getting it out straight away. Merch. Oh, yeah. It's the merch. Oh, you've been drinking out of that bottle. Oh. Has he been Makes a difference, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And do you know what actually does improve recovery? Water. When you leave the gym, you stick the hoodie on. Yeah. yeah. Staying warm. It's kind of like cryotherapy, but not the same. Some have flown off the shelf. Have they? Yes. Fuck, there's I haven't a link got mine the yet. link tree. Oh, of course. The link tree. And the episode description as well. Now, speaking of stuff associated with you, very, very interesting message I received this week. Just read the message. Okay, so it's to one me. of my old former coaches, Adam Hanover. He runs the Eastbourne Boxing Club. And he got in touch with me and he said, We have a show coming up on Friday, the 24th of March, at my Dice Boxing Academy in Brighton and in desperate need of a decent raffle prize. I wondered if I was to bestow upon you this poem about the George Groves Boxing Club. Perhaps you could help with a signed donation from Mr. Groves himself. Thus it reads, Boxing fans in their droves join the club of George Groves with the slug from Swindon called Deck, banter and news and some great interviews. So here's a few eps you should check. If you've got your suspicion about talking nutrition or soaking up words from Big Triss, then perhaps go as far as the ep with Tavares, Tavar, 
poetic license, or the one where Carl Frotch takes the piss. Missed the one with McGuigan, giving it the biggin, or accounts from the young Danazis, shout out Danazis, or if Ebony Bridges had you in stitches, or if the shreds had you dropped to your knees. Fear not, because John Ryder leaves a tickle inside you as he shapes up to take on Canelo, and the name that is Marky, the legend Phil Sharkey, and the same for the man Mike Costello. Then come join the club in your car or the pub, but one thing is sure a safe bet. We all need the tale of that fella de Gale, the best feature they've ever done yet. That is so If good. that is not worth a signed glove, I don't know what the hell is. That was inspiring. And yeah. I'll tell you what it has inspired me to do. Uh-oh, go on. That is what we want from the listeners now. If you want your poem read out, send it in. Yeah, now that was a collection of limericks, wasn't it? It's St. Patrick's Day today. I don't know if Limericks are Irish or if they're from the city of Limerick. We don't care. Who cares? What we care about is the quality of the Limerick. Day and Limerick is a poem and it's in Ireland. Yeah, so hit us with your boxing-related Limericks. I've got one. Go on. Do you want to hear it? Oh, shit. Go on. There once was a bloke in the pub who thought about ordering grub. Why are you doing Australian accent? But was having such a blast listening to this podcast. <laughs> Man, I love this George Rose Boxing Club. Yeah. But I've got another one. Oh, fuck. This one, this one, this <laughs> what accent are you going to do now? <laughs> The saint sitting at home feeling lonely sends an inbox to Deck and says, phone me. True. Let's start a boxing podcast. Come on, we'll have a right blast. Deck replies, okay, but we do audio only. Yeah, now that is fucking brilliant. Do you know who is possibly good at writing poems? Uh, No, who? Rob Beckett. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. What does that rhyme with? (laughs) Yeah, why am I talking about Rob Beckett, George? Rob Beckett is joined the club deck. He's not necessarily from the boxing world, but he is a big boxing fan and he's hilarious. Okay, so this is a whole new world for us. You reckon he's got a limerick in him? There's nothing Rob can't do. No, I bet he's fucking great at limericks. Come on in, Rob. Let's get, him get in. you in on in. Thanks. Get him in the club. Love it. Let's go. Woo! Today, we have our very first comedian in the club deck. Someone known for their jokes, not their jabs. I didn't write that joke. No. Um, <laughs> That's decent. I didn't mind it. Yeah. It it, yeah. Not only does he do stand up, but he's a TV presenter, narrator, and all round funny bloke. Of course, it's Rob Beckett. Rob, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for joining the club. Oh, cheers. Have I officially joined the club then? Is it like you've got a premise to this show, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. it's called the George Groves Boxing Club. You join by just sort of listening and then you being on the show now, listening to it as it's happening. You're you're in the club, mate. Out of ten, Rob. Yes. How big of a boxing fan are you? Ten being absolute boxing nut, and one being hate boxing. I'd say probably about a nine or a ten. I'm a bit of a nerd about it, to be fair. Are you actually? Yeah, I get obsessed by stuff, and I sort of got obsessed by it about you know about ten years ago. Actually, I sort of met, I met you at a gig, didn't I, George? You was at the I think a gig in Camden or something. We'd messaged online or something, and then you met. I met you at the gig. Then I went and come and saw you fight a couple of times, Frotch too, and Rabrassi at Wembley and stuff. And we saw, and around that period is when it sort of like obviously you know Frotch and Groves blew up the start of the new wave era of boxing essentially. And then I got obsessed with it through like YouTube and IFL. And when I was on tour, 
because boxing starts so late, I could watch it live. So I'd finish my gig at 10 and I'd normally get to the pub or back to the hotel to watch the main event. So I sort of really got into it when I was on tour um, and gigging and stuff. And yeah, and just always loved it. But that sort of got me back into it, basically. Remember like when you're like 17, 18, you stay up for the Lennox Lewis Tyson fight at like 4am and you pa- I used to power through. And no joke. Then I went for a stage of setting an alarm. Now I just get up at six with the kids and just re- like watch it on catch up. So what was the earliest boxing memory for, for you there? So you... Fr- Groves was you were there and well you were that was when Georgia. I was sort of going to the boxing more. I but it was really... earlier than with with Lewis Tyson then that sort of that sort of era. My mum and my granddad, my dad, more on my mum's side actually. My mum and her dad love boxing. They used to watch boxing together. So I remember watching all the Ben Eubank stuff through my parents watching it. And then when I was a teenager, it was more Tyson and Lewis, which was quite exciting. And then it, there wasn't really much going on. We had Amir Khan, but that was about it. And then it sort of got a bit more exciting around you know when Frotch and Groves and then Anthony Joshua and then Fury were all sort of developing and sort of becoming champions so that's when I really got into it because I had my own money then I could go to the fights I could buy the pay-per-views and stuff like that um, but earliest memory we used to fight in the front room me and my brother my, my, my dad used to give us like gloves and we'd just have a massive fight it was horrible really <laughs> there weren't even any rules it was almost like bare knuckle oh, wow. what's the best fight you've seen live or on TV or both so I think on TV it was pro- well, on TV it was either the Fury Wilder two yeah, or Lee fun. Wood and Conlon that more recently. But live I think Joshua Klitschko just because it was the event at Wembley, people getting knocked down, people getting up, getting knocked down, getting up. That was like a mad exciting energy to it as well because obviously AJ's lost since, but at that time we we all thought we had someone that was just going to dominate and beat everyone. That's what the, that's what everyone was thinking. And so that, that was, that was insane. But then Katie Taylor, I've seen Katie Taylor have some amazing fights. I was at Madison Square Garden for the Ruiz first Ruiz fight and we managed to sneak like close to the ring you know like you do everyone tries to sneak close to the ring and then slowly gets moved back don't they and it was her I think it was was it Pursuit Pursuit yeah first yeah, that, Pursuit fight yeah and then when I, was, I saw at Cardiff I saw a fight so she's always stolen the show whenever she's been on really yeah so there, there, there are a few of the, 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 the better ones I've seen when you're watching the boxing Rob is there like a comedic element that creeps in you can't help do you know what not, not really writing jokes as such but I, what I love about it is the personalities so I love re- like the re- like truth and honesty when I'm trying to do comedy, like the real stuff. That's what makes people laugh is it might embarrass you, it might, you know. And I think in football, I've always been a football fan, that gets a bit watered down and they're so media trained. But in boxing, you're, just, you're all just sort of freelancers, really, just sort of doing your own <laughs> little thing and you've got to make your mark you've got to, and you've got to trash talk, but some people aren't good at it. And then like Joe Joyce, when he went up to Chisora, I think it was, and tried to offer him out. And he's just, you know, he's just, he's just like, right, let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, bless him, because that ain't him, but he's got to do something, you know You know what I mean? So I, I find it funny more so when the personalities of the fighters come out. When, you know, Bill, you called him, Sy- was he called him SpongeBob instead of SpongeBob? Sy- yeah. <laughs> so that, that I find funny, but yeah, no, I'm not really writing jokes as such. I'm quite interested in the psychology of the boxers, though, because to a point, it's similar to comedy where you are on your own. It doesn't matter who you know or who you've got backing you, you are just one person in there trying to sort of deal with it. George, were you thinking the whole time or did you get into a sort of state of flow where it wasn't like, you're not actually thinking, you're just, it's just all so natural and second nature. There's no thought into it. No, I think you are right with the flow. You're going through those rehearsed patterns of movement and and just yeah. reacting. You kind of don't really have much time to think. You have to sort of just go, go with it. Usually, if something goes bad or goes wrong, that's usually when the thinking kicks in. You're like, I'm, yeah. on the, I'm on the floor again. Like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was I supposed to do now? I don't remember practicing this in camp. 
camp like so yeah you jump to your feet but um how about how about you like is that constant once you've nailed your routine or are you always having to think and react to the crowd well i think i think it's a bit like boxing and camp where like if you're getting a show together I'm out and I'm, it's almost like sparring. You go to the clubs, you've got, I've got this idea, I'm going to try this. But you have to do it so many times in, in, until you know it works and you know how it could go wrong in every way. So same with you. If you're learning, rehearsing a pattern of movement that I need to do this to make that effective combo. But, you know, if you try and do that, your opponent can do three other things, but you need to go, well, if I try and do that and then he does A, B or C, I need to know how to react to A, B or C. And it's the same with a joke where if you go at it and if the crowd says something, or if there's a noise in the room, all those hours on stage getting the show ready basically answers all those, oh, this is what I'll do then. And then once you've got it to a point, it's always evolving, you're always learning. But once you're doing the stand-up show, you know, it's almost like I'm watching myself do it. You know, I don't know if that if there's a similar thing in, in boxing, but it sounds like it might be. So you started working, well, you was working with Sky and helping promote the fighters, which I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was it was Rob and Romish. It was around the AJ stuff, I think, when, when, yes. when Andy Joshua was fighting. How was that? How did your comedy meet boxing at that point? Did you make any adjustments, any changes? Did you get a, a feel for it? Was you thinking, fancy a bit of sparring or a bit of training or whatnot? <laughs> well, no. So I, I was a massive boxing fan and Sky wanted to get two comedians to sort of do a promo hour-long show for the fight. The I think it was AJ Klitschko to get as many people watching and stuff like that. So they wanted a comedian that knew about boxing that had a mate who didn't know about boxing, which was Romesh. So it was actually my show that he jumped on. Could have been anyone. It, it was us exploring the world of boxing and me explaining to Romesh like what was going on. So like, I was like, are you coming down for the weigh-in and all stuff like that? And he's like, why would I watch two men weigh themselves? <laughs> and when he broke it down like that, it's like, quite weird actually, isn't it's it? It's so weird. It's <laughs> yeah. so weird. Just two, two blokes get into their pants, see how heavy they are and then try and fight each other before the fight. And you're like, oh, and everyone's like discussing what that means. Oh, he's three pounds heavier. And he was only five pounds lighter than that on his first fight. And everyone's going, oh, and it like, affects the betting odds. And Ramesh would just stood there like, what is going on here? Um, yeah, so we did that show and then it was successful. So then they commissioned us to do some more about other subjects and it sort of went on. From that, though, I started doing more boxing training. I do sort of pads and stuff. And then I go down to Darren Barker's gym sometimes as well and, and train with him. He's a funny bloke, Darren, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we've had him on. He's fucking great. But do you know what? You might not remember this. I saw you in Stanglevert. You know Stanglevert, Klitschko's training camp? Yes, yes. And you, I remember And that. I remember you, you were like, I'm interviewing Klitschko. <laughs> What can I expect? And I remember just saying, I was like, you've got to be careful with him because he'll just try and say what he wants. He's a particular character. How did he respond he's to He's fucking like- mental. That's what he yeah, is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. way you're working around that. But he's absolutely... <laughs> so we went in there and I think they told him... I was That's a mad be- place as well, isn't it? Stanglework. Yes, yeah, so it's amazing. So it's like this five-star bio hotel in mm. the middle of the Austrian Alps. You fly into Germany and then you drive for a couple of hours. And it's like built into the mountains. Everyone's wearing like, um, like you know, like sort of, um, what's it Lederhosen. called? Lederhosen. Lederhosen. Like all the yep. blokes are in Lederhosen. These mad white horses are being ridden around in, in this like barn area that's also part of the hotel. There's swimming pools, saunas. It was actually, that's the sauna where Tyson Fury stayed in longer than Klitschko when he was training with him. Anyway, we got flew out to interview him. And basically all we needed was, let's show this man to look as focused and as scary as possible. It didn't really need jokes. It wasn't a funny section of the show. It just, just wanted 
wanted him to look scary and go, oh my God, what a formidable opponent. Anyway, he sort of found out I was a comedian, then just like started doing shit jokes at me the whole time. <laughs> and he also did a weird thing where like, I'm like five foot eight, I'm no physical threat to him whatsoever. He's six foot four, you know, X amount of time world champion. And he put his legs right into where my legs should have been on my chair to, to invade my personal space. It's like a little mental game. Right, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect me because I'm not trying to fight. I'm, I'm already scared of him. <laughs> it's not like he doesn't need to physically intimidate me. So he was there and we've been waiting. It's basically got there at like midday. We were supposed to go and watch him train in the afternoon and then interview him the next morning. Basically got there. He cancelled the training session. So we just got pissed. He don't shake your hand. He does fist bumps because of germs. Okay. Which are always pre-COVID as well. Yeah. And he sort of, it felt like a Bond villain I was visiting. I'm in this Austrian like lair with this massive Ukrainian guy that's refusing to touch me, invading my personal space. And then he was just started doing like really crap. He's like, you're a comedian. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, and I said, oh, you, I saw you on uh, Instagram. You know, you said you were sh- shadow boxing with like a really heavy dumbbells. I don't even know what they were. And he was like, yes, look at the date. I shadow box with 50 kg dumbbells. And I don't even know what that means. I'm like, it seems heavy, but couldn't care less. I don't lift anything. I don't know. I'm like, all right. He went, yes, check the date. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. Well, no, check the, I was like, all right. So I got my phone out. First <laughs> of April. Ha ha, see. Oh, Okay. So it was like that, like he's basically did an April Fool's with a really heavy dumbbell saying shadow boxing for AJ fight. Like, all I said was, how's trading going? And he's made me go back onto his Instagram and he said, ask me about AJ wanting to be the first billion dollar athlete. I was like, all right, okay. But by this point, I'm like, I don't give a shit anymore. I'll, just, I'll ask him. I told you he'd get you talking bollocks. It's yeah, like exactly. Does. So I was like, all right, okay. So what do you think of AJ being the blah, 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 first billion dollar athlete? And he went, before or after tax. Okay. <laughs> what? I don't know what's happening here, Vladimir. Yeah, he's a bad one. Because you, you think he's going to be really fearsome and scary, but actually he's quite cheesy, isn't it? He? He's sort of like, he's a bit like... You know, a father-in-law doing shit dad jokes. Yeah, very so much. actually, you you find it is actually it's not intimidating or scary. It's actually a little bit tiresome because he's sort of trying to be this like sweet talking charmer. The problem is, he's so hard. No one's told him. It was it was very weird, and I didn't know what I was doing. It was, and I got so pissed because he cancelled the training session. I was so hungover the next day. It was <laughs> awful. They famously, well, he famously br- or used to bring all the sparring partners there, and they'd stay in the hotel and they'd eat together. And that, can you remember on that trip? Were there any around? Obviously. Like Fury had been there in years before, Joshua, Ben, Dylan White. Like he basically got all the young heavyweights across the world, yeah. got them in for that reason, just to be like, look, I'm the Don. Yes. Like, and it's a really weird hotel because there's like, you go in the restaurant and it's all like locally produced food. And then I looked out the window and the window looks into the cow barn. So there's all the cows and you're and having beef steak. and there's a cow like by your head looking at you, eating its cousin <laughs> or something. It's, it's really weird. But I think that's what Fury really shook him by going there and getting in his head because a lot of it is mental, isn't it? I think, I think, you know, that you proved that as well. With Frock, like well, your your mind games are amazing with Carl Froch, and because I thought, oh, Groves has definitely got him for the second one. But then when I found out Carl Froch was going to a sports therapist, I was like, oh, I don't know if he has now. Because I think the main thing you had over him was you got him so angry, all he wanted to do was take your head off. But I think he managed to sort of calm that down and be a bit more composed. Did you notice that when you was in the chats with him? He stopped engaging. So, mm. but I mean, we we done a tour, so we've talked it to, to death. I've figured him out now. Finally, after all these years, yeah, he's sports psychologist was just telling him just just don't get involved. So I think if he didn't get his head sorted, I think he would have lost. So has that ever happened to you? That's that's a question for you. Then I suppose have you ever lost your head? Maybe not with anger, but 
you ever get racked with nerves before a gig? So I, I used to, I've calmed down a lot because I, I spoke to a therapist to try because I was too much of a perfectionist and put too much pressure on myself and I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And I never really lived my life. I was just working nonstop. I've lost it a couple of times. Where it's basically when you're overworked and tired and your head's not right and you're doing jobs for the wrong reason, you end up snapping. And I remember I was doing this a pilot for a TV show, some quiz show. It was freezing. It was like minus two or three degrees. And every time I left my dressing room, they wouldn't give me a key for it. And I was like, like can someone be there to let me in? And they went, yeah, no worries. And then like, they didn't do it once. And I was like, okay, and I had to ring someone, hang around in the cold, like trying to get the, just to get inside. And then it happened a second time. And on the third time, I, boot, I just booted the door down. <laughs> I just thought, fuck this, I'm going in. They can sort it out. I just booted it off. It's hard though. As soon as you lose your temper in comedy, it's over on stage because that's the whole thing. It's like, hey, we're having a good time. Fucking listen to me. I've been working on this. It ruins the whole illusion of it all. And uh, I remember once with Paul Paul McCaffrey, actually, he didn't really lose it, but we were doing this gig to students. They weren't listening. The gig was part of a package. They were just out on the piss trying to pull each other. We got, someone got booed off and they just, and and then someone was doing the gig, but they weren't even heckling. They were just talking. It was like doing a gig to just a busy pub, right? No one was looking, no one was listening. And then Paul McCaffrey went, look, all we got to do here, lads, just go on, do your 20 minutes, get paid. Don't lose your head because it's not going to change anything. Just go on. Just all you got to do is do your stuff. Don't lose your head. And then he likes his clothes, Paul. He dresses a bit of a mod, dresses really well. He walked on stage and this like gobby little 18-year-old went, nice shirt, mate. And Paul <laughs> immediately went, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> immediately <laughs> lost it. <laughs> the first line. For George and boxers, when you sort of mix with the public and you people see you, if you're a professional boxer like George, they sort of know, well, he's a hard bastard. Like, I don't want to piss him off and he's a boxer. But when they come across a comedian, they, does everyone just think you're funny all the time and like they're your mate and stuff because of your act and the way you are on stage and in, on TV? Is that how people expect you to be? Do you feel like you're under pressure when you meet people because you're like, fuck, I need to be like Rob Beckett, funny bloke from the TV here rather than just being yourself? I'll get people coming up to me all the time even though like Romesh does more telly than me, less people will go up to him, not because they've not recognised him, it's because they'll think he'll tell them to He's piss off. He's a moody off. bastard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Jack D's the same, whereas like Alan Carr constantly gets people coming up to him. So it's like your attitude and stuff. But yeah, I used to get really stressed by that and I found it exhausting because I felt like I had to be really nice to everyone all the time. Or And that was like the part of a poverty mindset thing where I was like, it, it, you, you, when, you, when you, yeah, you've come from not much money, you keep thinking the tap's going to be turned off, it's all going to go away and it's probably going to be your fault. So you've got to capitalise on it now. So I'd be scared to be horrible to anyone. You know, even if I was going, if they were being rude to me, I'd be like, oh no, no don't worry. You know, because my head and the anxiety would go, oh, they're going to go and tell so-and-so and they're not going to come to the show and all this. But then I learned that, you know, I'm a good person, I'm a nice person, but you don't have to be your onstage self to everyone all the time. And you now could you be sat in a cafe and they'll be like, you're right, mate? I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. He goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, having some breakfast? You're all right? I go, yeah, yeah. But he's like, oh. And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sad. And then it's actually weirder to be like, hey, yeah, what's going on? And trying to do jokes <laughs> and all that. But yeah, I've got better realising that you can just, you don't have to be on all the time. What I do now is I sort of take the piss. If someone gives me a bit, I'm nice to everyone, but if they give me shit, I will just hammer them. <laughs> and then that's it. And like, it sort of does work. And like, you get it all the time and I go boxing and stuff where it's just like, oh, yeah, come here, can I have a picture? Oh, I don't like you, but my wife likes you and all that. And then normally the stock response is, like, you don't need a picture, mate. I saw her an hour ago. And all his mates go, this is quite a shit hack line. But Perfect. in a group of 20 lads, if you can mug off one that's giving you shit, then you just leave. It's that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I've actually 
dealt with it by being harsher to people and they quite like it the worst I'll get is someone will say can I have a photo and you're like yeah and then they go can we do the face off or can I put my fist on your chin and you're like not really mate I mean talking about invading personal space yeah the worst was I was at this I did this gig at a country club not a, it was a country golf club but it was in like you know like Selsden or Surrey where it's sort of Croydon board or it's like mm, is this a country club or is it like a dirty bit of old wasteland you've put a couple of golf holes on do you know what yeah. I mean and all the and then it was like a bit of an old school white little bit racist like geezery like golf club it weren't very nice it was, I didn't really like it I went on and I, I was doing alright and it, but not very well and then uh, I sort of left and then I was on the platform waiting to get the train home and there was some like eight of them on the other side of the platform going like hey who's that bloke who reckons he's a fucking comedian it's like you were shit mate and I was like, like alright okay whatever and I was like yeah give us a joke will ya and then and I went no 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 mate only if you pay I'm off duty and they all started throwing coins at me <laughs> I thought fine so I just got on the next train it was the wrong train but I thought I'm, I'd rather just get out of there Now, Deck, as a former fighter, you can imagine I still like to keep an eye on the fight game. I can imagine, mate. So do I, George. There's fights all across the world these days. Sometimes you just can't find anywhere to watch them. If only there was a solution that meant we had access to the biggest and best fights whenever we wanted to watch them. Well, Deck, there just might be. Ooh. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country showing, like you said, the biggest and best sporting events around the world. Not only that, but you can stream your favourite TV shows at the drop of a hat too. Surely to watch the best live sporting events and my favourite TV shows, that's going to cost me a fortune. Well, NordVPN actually helps save some money. Does it? Not to mention your protection against cybercrime. You change your virtual location, sign up for a subscription service via other countries and pay a cheaper rate just for the price of one small coffee a month. But what about if I want to throw in the towel at any time? It's not a problem, Dick, right? Because NordVPN provides you with a risk-free... Risk-free? Risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. That's my kind of guarantee. Yes, check out the link, nordvpn.com forward slash ggbc and get your subscription started today. Use that link and you'll receive huge discounts off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Okay, that sounds like an unmissable deal, George, but I know you... I've you know, stitch me up in the past. Am I safe here? Because that could be the real knockout blow. <laughs> NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity deck. It is incredibly easy to use, right? Otherwise, obviously, I couldn't use it. And with just one click, you're protected. You don't have to be a tech whiz. And with your NordVPN account, you can have up to six devices protected. I haven't got six devices, but if I did, I'd be buzzing. By I that. mean, that's a Ronald Winky right yes. guard there. Yeah, that really Nothing's is. Nothing's getting through. So let me get this right. With NordVPN, I can watch live sporting events, the best in film and TV from countries around the world, all for the price of a measly little coffee a month, as well as being protected from hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups, which I hate. That is right. Nothing below the belt. Just make sure you use the link, nordvpn.com forward slash GGBC for that huge NordVPN plan discount plus the bonus gift. Talk about Saved by the Bell. You'll never have to miss anything ever again with NordVPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy 
happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to the boxing. So how often do you go these days go to the fights um, live? I got here that you went to Canelo Triple G. Is that right? Yeah, that was a, that was a right touch. That was. Is that the first one or the second one? Or third one? Third one. So I was out, in, I was out in Vegas filming with Romesh doing a magic episode. And I was due to fly back on the Saturday, landing Sunday morning. I was like, oh, this is awful. Um, like I'm out there for fight week and I can't even. Also, like, you know, I'm quite pally with Frank Smith at Matram. So like he definitely could have like got me a ticket. And I was like, oh God, this is all. I'm going to miss it. And then, um, then the Queen passed away, and I was supposed to be doing a show on Radio Two. And BBC Strange, when they do a um, when there's a royal death, it goes into like mourning, and everyone has to be very solemn. You play solemn music, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like that's quite a heavy bit of broadcasting. Yeah, not your vibe, is it? Not my vibe. Like it t- goes against everything that I am to do that. <laughs> and then I said to my agent, I was like, Danny, I think this could be difficult actually because it's not my character to do that sort of gentle mourning. I'm not. I don't ever really mourn. I'm not really a mourning kind of guy. Like I'll always try and pierce attention with a joke, which is not what you should be. Doing doing when a member of the royal family's passed away so he went oh mate i'll have i'll have a word with the bbc but they're gonna like it's uh, to say you don't want to broadcast when it's this big event that's happened they're gonna be they're probably gonna be a bit annoyed i went yeah but i just think it's the right thing to do and then i went all right he went i'll try my best and he literally rung me about 30 seconds later i went yeah they just rung me they don't want you sunday they don't think, <laughs> they don't think it's the right fit i was like okay fair enough so um yeah so i then i could change my flight so i managed to go to the fight in the end nice and um, that was one I, I sort of i had good seats but i sort of snuck my way down to the front Las Vegas is so weird for a fight. It's almost like the Oscars or the Emmys. It's like a scene to be seen event rather than a lot of boxing fans. Steph Curry was there. There was loads of uh, Travis Scott, Michael B. Jordan, Triple H, the wrestler. And they were obviously like really close, like ringside. Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle. But it was a, it's a crazy event though. <laughs> so you're training with Darren Barker at the gym. Are you doing your pad work or are you in the ring now? You've got your gum shield made. I mean, I might be tempted into a body spa, but I can't. I, one, I can't lose the teeth. That's half the act. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I've got like a mate who's a comic who does a bit of MMA and stuff. And he does it sort of like, goes to like sports halls and just does it on a mat in sort of like sort of county sort of competitions and even if he's only young I think he's getting punchy he just sounds (laughs) fucked I'm struggling with remembering my jokes just because of age I don't need you know someone jabbing me in a spa into my head and then trying to jabbing jokes out of your head yeah exactly so I just yeah not for me that okay so say you were going to have one fight gun to your head you had to they're going to pay you a load of money you had to fight 
someone from your industry. Straight away, I'm thinking you could go low-hanging fruit. And one of my mates, fellow Swindon fan, Ivo Graham, I reckon you could no, do you know, Ivo. No, 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 no. See, that's your mistake there. Low-hanging fruit, Ivo. He is a posh He's a good boy. runner. Eton, Oxford, grown-up rich. That kid has been on organic eggs since he was fucking six months old. He's <laughs> he's a lean, mean, he's ja- very, fit. very fit, good stock. You know what? Like, he's not a killer, you know, but it's a bit like when Wayne Bridge fought Spencer Matthews and boxed his head off just because he's super fit. Now, I, I think Ivo would actually be a hard fight because he's quite tall and rangy as well, to be honest. But, you know, I would, I'd pick someone who was sort of smaller, weaker than me. Josh Whittacombe I could beat up, I think, quite comfortably. Romesh, I could have, but he's got quite fit these days and he's quite big. He's got big shoulders, big arms, so he might right. he might have the, the engine to batter me now. Daro Brian, massive, wouldn't have a chance, absolute unit. Greg Davis as well, he's massive. Who do you reckon the hardest comedian is? Ricky Grover, probably. Do you know Ricky oh, Grover? Yeah. He's beaten up hecklers up before. They've offered him out and he's took him out, knocked him out and gone back on stage. Who are you bringing in for sparring then? Anyone you fancy for sparring for this prep, for this big fight? I'd probably go a few levels above and probably find some ex-professionals that I trust. Darren Barker, probably you, George. Probably get try and get Jake Paul in just for a bit of a social media push. Would you ask him to do the corner maybe, Jake Paul? Anyway, who you got for a cornerman? And I mean, in a dreamlike scenario, Teddy Atlas. You know what I mean? He's, he, he's got great motivational quotes in it. I'd quite like to fight Jimmy Bullard actually as well because he's quite chippy and it'd be quite funny just to bash him up, I think. And I think I could. Any one line as you've been sitting on for the press conference or for fight week? Anything you want to whisper in their ear after the weigh-in? This is the kind of thing that I think I need to get involved with up-and-coming boxers to help them because if that if I genuinely think if boxers spoke to someone to get a few lines or to what like say like well what would you because people like Conor McGregor and yourself George as well were amazing at it Tyson Fury's brilliant at it Jake Paul's really good at it, it just a little things to get in their head because it only takes a little line to get in someone's head and it for to kick off or to like help with pay-per-views and stuff like that I feel like you need writers in boxing to give you little bits because some of the stuff it just doesn't work and it, like with that, that Liam Smith Chris Eubank stuff it, they, then they panic and end up saying something stupid that they regret that doesn't really work and gets bad press but I think there should be writers because it would make it well exciting wouldn't it because uh, I try to do it when I play five side football just be like you don't, be, you don't want to be shooting from there or just little sly things as they're doing it <laughs> Again, keep him on his right there's no chance from that angle just subtle reinforcements of no not you know he's got no chance and the problem is just I went, and I'll say things like let him think if he thinks about it he'll fuck it up he's only good on the instinct <laughs> I like it when I thought someone was a bit needy like so if I'm fighting someone who's a bit needy and like yeah. so Carl I always thought Frotch was a bit needy so you'd have a stab in the dark at what could be his insecurity and it doesn't need yeah. to be like an actual like oh is he worried about the size of his nose or his, his hair is going yeah. grey it would just be whether he thinks he's loved or not you know because um, yeah. the egos involved in boxing are exactly, so big exactly because if you go oh a big nose or you go oh you know whatever you're going grey they've all heard that so the one they're used to it two they've sort of got a bit of a back and forth but if you start going the Nottingham fans don't love you they've just got no one else <laughs> there's no one else here who's fought, they're what, just what bored the fuck, what the fuck he's not in them he's not had a team in the Premier League for I don't believe this before Nottingham get on my case but yeah. that's what you do like, they, don't, they don't care about you it's just another body mate if you got a heckler on the in the front row who's he's had a few too many drinks at the student gig yeah. are you trying to throw out a blanket sort of insecurity dig at him are you trying to size him up there and then or will you actually go for a personal attack is it better for a comedian to just go listen big nose 
<laughs> so no, I I don't go personal. I mean, I would if I was a boxer because that's di- you, you know it's a different level of what you're doing. But if someone says something, what I normally do is if it's funny, you have to respect that and laugh along with it because you know that that's just your ego getting involved. If he, you say something, he goes boom, 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 and it is funny and the crowd laugh, then you go, hey, you know, you've got to embrace that because you're in denial if it's not funny. The only time that's difficult is in Liverpool because Liverpool, when you gig in Liverpool and you're from a Cockney. Essentially, they'd write, they'd quite like it if you were shit. Yeah, because they want no scouser wants their favourite comic to be from London. Yeah, <laughs> deep down, do you know what I mean? Deep down, you know that's not what they really, really. They they'd much or they would all much prefer it if Mo Salah was born in Liverpool. They love their own, which is great, and it's a brilliant city for that. So sometimes when I'm up there, you've really got to prove yourself every time you go up because they're they're funny. There it is a funny place. It's like Glasgow. It's like Newcastle. Liverpool is a funny place. But the only problem is sometimes if someone heckles you in Liverpool the crowd will piss themselves laughing whatever's happened because they're back in their own it's like (laughs) oh that was great and you go was it or was it just someone else from (laughs) Liverpool that heckled me but I always get them to repeat the heckle because it's never as funny second time I'll go sorry mate what was that and then they'll bottle either their bottle will go and they'll shut up and I'll go no 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 come on and all of a sudden I'm in charge again or they will say it but they might go and their voice might break or crack because they're nervous or they'll say it again but if even if they do say it again, it's never as funny the second time you hear a joke. Either I'll deconstruct it if it's shit, but if it is quite valid, I'll go, what's going on here, what's going on here mate? And try and make them like, a friend with them. If you make them an enemy, they'll feel ostracised from the group and they'll carry it on. You need to bring them in because all it is is someone needy and wanting attention. And sometimes you need to just give them the attention. I did a gig once, I went out in Leicester, went out and I'd started the show and there was just a group of lads just kicking off, making noise, everyone was shushing them. And I basically went, what's going on here? And it turned out it was a stag do. So I spoke to the stag, gave him some shit, spoke to the lads and went, look, we've said hello. You've had your, they've got pissed on a minibus from Leicester. We've all been there, haven't we? You know, when you start disrupting stuff. I went, look, I've said hello. You've had your little moment, but there's 500 other people here that have paid for a ticket. How about I go back on, we start the show and then you just listen and we crack on as normal. And they were like, yeah, all right, because you're giving them an out. Because they don't want, they want to be there. Someone's, they bought the ticket for a reason. So I went off, came back on and they were really polite and quiet. And I went, any stag do's in? <laughs> just to get a cheap laugh <laughs> to bring them back in. But yeah, that, that, he's sort of trying to bring them along with you rather than making them the enemy of the show. That's brilliant. That, that brings us nicely on to um, on venue. So say you and Josh Widdicombe, it's all agreed. Do you want to fight? Are you going Wembley Stadium or are you going, taking him somewhere or were you thinking York Hall? Like where would you want to fight? Saudi Arabia. What? Pure dollar me. Sa- yeah. <laughs> Straight into Saudi. <laughs> From a fan, I think the best atmosphere I've experienced, I've never done York Hall, which I do need to do. I just never got around to get into a fight there. Is the O2, a packed out O2 is unbelievable. But then for the right fight, Wembley Stadium can be absolutely amazing. So for the money, I'd probably go Wembley. The O2 is sort of, you know, it's nearer my house as well. Fuck going to Wembley. It's only 10 minutes down the road, the O2. So probably the, I'll do the O2. What were your favourites, George? The O2 is a nice venue. Manchester Arena is really good. Wembley was good fun, but I can't remember it. Wembley Arena was all right, but it didn't have that same big, big fight feel that nah, the, the O2 has. It's actually weirdly intimate for an arena, the Wembley Arena. It's quite yeah. small compared it's to the other It's quite good for rooms. comedy, yeah? So Yeah, I think it's probably the best arena for comedy. O2's like so much bigger and it's got a lower roof, Wembley Arena, so they get a bit of a louder cheer from the laughs yeah. and stuff. The O2's are so high, which so the laughs go up a little bit, because what you want is a low ceiling, So because um, all the laughs bounce back up. That's why, like, you know, York Hall's great for boxing because it's so low and there's so many people in there. It just ba- the sound reverberates around. That's what you want, really. At Royal Albert Hall's the same. It sort of just sinks to the, you know, it sort of floats to the top and doesn't come back at you. 
So say the O2's vast, isn't it? It's absolutely massive compared to like if you're in a comedy club or whatever. How do you have do you have to change it in any way? Like how you deliver or anything? Yeah, like so that? slow. It's the bigger the room, the slower the delivery is the key. Oh, really? In a little room, you can really ramp it up and go boom, 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 boom and they're with you because they can hear every word. But in a big arena, one is so they can hear. You go slower and more like better diction, but also you the laughs take longer. Because essentially, someone's laughing about half a mile away, up at the top. That's <laughs> true. So it's sort of like, and then if you get a big laugh, it sort of ripples, it goes ripples round the room and then comes back. So it's almost like, like set up, punchline, beat, 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 next one. Well, if he's in a little room, it's like set up, punchline, beat, set up, punchline, beat. That's like marring your work, mate. That's what we say in boxing. <laughs> don't don't admire your work. He's left, he's left a punch yeah. in there and he's having a look. He's held his feet. Yeah, yeah. No, you have to admire your work or you, you trample all the laughs and then you yeah, ruin exactly. the rhythm. But yeah. What about outfit? Oh, yeah, what are you going to wear? Outfit for the boxing, I'd probably go, I'm torn between Prince Nazim sort of leopard print or the classic sort of Rocky Italian stallion, but. Is it Dan Azim? Yeah, Dan Aziz. Yeah, he wears like the red and the Marvin Haglery. Is that right? Or yeah, short, short shorts. Yeah, short yeah. shorts, quite classic. They come in like mid, yeah, mid thigh shorts are back because George was long short era, but mid thigh shorts are back. Yeah, Dan Aziz, he's, yeah, they're old school Marvin Hagler yeah, style. Yeah, mid thigh shorts with a low boot. You know what we need, George? Ring walk tune. This will end up on our playlist. We've got a little playlist running for all our guests. They give us either their ring walk tune or their gym banger. This could be both for you. What I like is a double song. So what I might do is make it all go like black and white with a like black and white screen. All my videos in black and white, slow-mo, cool shot without Arctic Monkeys, do I want to know? You know, it goes and sort of build it up like that. And then it needs to go in something quite big, doesn't it? I do quite like Baseline Junkie by Dizzy Rascal, but I've realised how much swearing's in it because I can't listen to it with the kids because he goes, yeah. he swears, he goes, put that, turn that fucking bass up, turn that fucking motherfucking bass up. But I, I don't know if the TV company will let me play that. Last couple of boxing questions in closing. Yeah. Who wins, Fury or AJ? A Fury wins, I think. I think AJ's, uh, I think you lose that invincibility. You know, he beat Ruiz and came back, but <clears throat> I think he's been a little bit gun shy since. I think there's a thing in um, boxing, which is the same as any industry, where if you're naturally good at it to a point, if you're not like an expert and a sort of like beloved within the industry at your certain skill set, you sort of focus on the wrong things. And I think I've seen Dylan White do that a bit in his career, Will. He's so strong and powerful and dogged, but then he'll start to like step back and jab and move. I'm like, that's not really what you're best at kind of thing. And I think there is a propensity for people to try and prove that they can do a certain style of boxing so they're respected within the industry, even if it holds them back from what their best traits are. Do you see that, George, at all? Am I talking shit? No, no, you're right. You're dead right. It's usually... If someone tells you you can't do something, then you're like, no, fuck you, I can do everything. I'm a complete fighter. And But that ego can be your undoing because it, it happened to me in comedy where like my best part was I could just turn up, think off the top of my head and be me. But then I started trying to write these like really well-crafted, narrative-driven shows like a Stuart Lee or Daniel Kitson type, but that wasn't my skill set. And I, I would have been better off jibbing that off and just focusing on what it was I was good at. You know, like how sport in general has to be watched there and then live you need to know and then it can feel the same with comedy where obviously you want to watch it live to really appreciate it and hear it for the first time 
But I've noticed, me, as I've got older, I like watching old routines that I've seen before. I know all the punchlines, I know all the gags, and it's like it's quite comforting. I don't know if it's just me getting older or if times have changed or whatnot. And then it happens with sport as well. Boxing, like football, I, I don't really watch rewatch football matches that I, you know, I'd watch the highlights, but not an, a full full game. But but fights, Sky, where they're maybe running out of content, they'll put classic fights on, and you'll sit and watch them and enjoy them. This is just me asking you comedy wise do you go back on old material if you saw it live first time I think watching it back reminds you of that amazing experience you had I watched that Tyson Fury Wilder fight back again even though I weren't there I watched it live on the telly and it I remember that buzz of seeing it for the first time and and the same with stand-up routines I'll go back and watch ones that I saw like live but you know watch them redo it and, and things like that but live stand-up in a theatre is so much better than any stand-up special on Netflix and seeing someone in the room react that quick live with someone who literally give them shit and you're in the room because when you watch it you're always like did they edit that did they tighten that up but if you're there watching it and you see someone says something the other person comes back that is a, that is a buzz and you can see the performer buzzing off it because they're, they're enjoying it are you aware of when um, like people regurgitate that your jokes to their mates like the next day how bad they make it sound no, no, that, 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 that's a, I just take it as a massive compliment if anyone's trying to tell someone or remember a bit I've done the fact that it had any sort of impact on them whatsoever I find amazing that <laughs> they still might think about it what I used to do at school was I was obsessed with comedy I was to watch it all the time I used to record onto my mini disc player through my combi telly I used to put a VHS in plug the into the headphone output I used to put a lead that went into my mini disc and I record the audio of, of a VHS on my mini disc and I used to listen to that mini disc like at night when I was going to sleep couldn't really get to sleep so I used to listen to stand up to go to sleep and um, I knew every, every routine of all the videos we had because I have four brothers we get five, you know, five videos for Christmas and then all swap them around of stand-ups. And I, I'd be at school and someone, I remember someone at school doing a routine. And it was a Lee Evans routine, but he was just delivering it like, oh, have you ever noticed that blah, blah, blah? And I went, that's fucking Lee Evans, but it was quite hard, so I shut up. But I was just stood there going, <laughs> I was watching him do a Lee Evans bit here, but he's too hard for me to tell him to stop. Back then when you were doing that, who, what sort of comedians were you listening to? Um, Lee Evans, when I was really young, absolutely obsessed with him. Peter Kay, I saw live in Croydon with my, my family. And it was like the most fun, funniest thing I've ever seen. Peter Kay, when he was on form or when he's on form, he's just he, he was just a different level back then when he was breaking through. Loved Richard Pryor and Billy Connolly and Eddie Murphy, but their, their lives seemed so alien to me that it's like, I could never be a comic because they're just like these mad characters. But then I watched Alan Davis before he did Jonathan Creek was an amazing stand-up. He still does bits now, but when he, his first urban trauma in life of the lyric was so funny and I had them on VHS and he just literally spoke about like his auntie had a cat he borrowed a, his mate's dog once. He got had a little Vespa scooter thing. Just like normal stuff. Like, and I was like, oh my God, you can just talk about normal things. So that was quite exciting for me because I thought I could talk about my life here because it's just as boring as Alan Davis's was growing up in Essex. Do you know what I mean? So that that was quite exciting for me. That's the first time I've been starstruck as well. Was like, I was going to Arsenal and he's a big Arsenal fan and I hadn't met him before and I'd done a bit of telly and I was just waiting for my mate. And um, no one really knew I was at all. Like no one would recognise me out and about. But obviously Alan knew a bit about me because we was in the same industry. And he'd come up to me and went, hello, Rob. Oh, big fan of yours. What was you funny on the other day? And I was trying to like remember something I'd been on. And I was like, oh my God, and I got so flustered. I was like, all right, Alan. Yeah, okay, Alan. Because he was like someone I looked up to growing <laughs> up. And then I remember I trod on someone's toe where I was a bit not paying attention. Like it was behind me. And, oh, sorry, mate. And I started just sort of like going, oh, Alan, 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 Alan Davis. And then I turned around 
trying to text my mate where he was because Alan had gone up to the stadium and he was the bloke whose foot I trod on about 10 minutes ago who stood behind me. I was like, sorry about that. I was having a panic attack because I met Jonathan Creek. Is there like a little union? Like obviously you're all comedians, all comics and out on the circuit and that. Are you, you know, is everyone sort of mates? Or what, what's it like mixing with other comics? It's, it, do you know what it is? It's like, I think it's a bit like in boxing, you have your sort of year group. So like there's people that you come through with at similar levels. So like George, it was like James DeGale was your sort of era, wasn't he? And there's people that you see a lot of coming up through the ranks. And it's different in boxing because, you know, it's, it's similar actually to point you're fighting for spaces. So back in the day, there was a lot more rivalry because there was like one spot on Mop the Week kind of thing. Whereas like, same with you, George, you missed out on the Olympic spot because the gale got it. So it does create a bit of bitterness between acts. And the generation just before me were quite bitter and angry and a bit like self-preservation was the key message of like, don't really help anyone else because there's not enough spaces, look after your own. And then my generation, which is like me, Romesh, Joe Lysett, James Acaster, Josh Widdicombe, Catherine Ryan, all came through when there was about a million panel shows. Twitter was all coming up. So there was other avenues to be found and discovered. We were way more collaborative. And like now I work with like Tom Allen, I work with Josh, I work with Romesh. We were more open to working together because we weren't sort of fighting over one or two spots. So, you know, you're, you're sort of quite pally with your with your year group. But the year group above us weren't so pally because they were fighting for odds and sods. And it'll be interesting now the Olympics isn't happening for boxing. If the younger generations are more friendly to each other, you know, you're not fighting for spots. But then you're going to end up fighting each other in the pros. It's, it's a weird one. But they would make friends being on squad together. So you'd live together in Sheffield as a team. You yeah. travel as a team. Selfishly, you'd always want yourself to do well. Like you wouldn't sacrifice your own medal for anyone else. But there is that camaraderie of being in it together, traveling together. So you see that with the Olympic cycles, they come out and, you know, it'll be Anthony Joshua or sign up a bunch of them and they're pally pally with each other. Other than that, it's just clicks with gyms. So if they, you know, if you're from the Liverpool area and you're all training out of, you know, the Joe Gallagher gym or you're in Sheffield out of the Ingle gym or signed to the promoter, but there is, I mean, it's, it's the rivalry. same in comedy. There's different, different management companies. So if you're with one lot, you're not that friendly. It's a bit like Matram and Frank Warren. If you're with one lot, you're not really, you don't really get involved doing gigs or any work with the other lot and vice versa. And then again, around the country, there's like a little Manchester, Liverpool scene and then Brighton, then a London one. I'm not really in it though. I sort of was a bit of a lone wolf, really. I sort of just got in and did my own thing where a lot of people hang out. Because like, because I got into it at 23 and I treat it like a proper professional job from the start. And I still had a day job, but there's a lot of people that sort of like, go on the dole, hang around in a shared flat together, being comedians together. I was just doing my own thing, really. I had a chip on my shoulder because everyone else was like a bit middle class and from university. Like there weren't many working class people doing it. So I was just sort of, I, was, I sort of hated everyone a little bit. <laughs> I've got karma though. I was, I was quite resentful of these people. It was like mum and dad had bought my flat in like Camden and they were doing the gig now and again. And I was like, I'm working my bollocks off here, mate. I'm renting a, renting a flat in Lewisham, working a full-time job and trying to get to Exeter for 20 quid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Any fights, Rob, that you want to see going forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit frustrated with like the fight's not being made because it's sort of like, oh, same. and when you look at like the schedule for UFC and they're just banger, banger, banger after another. And then like Fury U6, a bit like, how's that not been made yet? You know, Crawford, Spence, not been made. If you looked at the schedule, it had Crawford, Spence, Fury U6. And then like, even if AJ was fighting Dylan White or instead of Franklin and then Ruiz, Wilder, like all these fights that should be happening are just not happening. 
It'd be 10 times better if it was like every month for the next five months. It would be unbelievable. Boxing would just explode. It's all the different promoters arguing. It just doesn't help. Dana's got control, hasn't he? I'm quite enjoying the Warrington, Lara, Wood, Conlon sort of four-way. I think if those four all just go, let's just all fight each other, it could be amazing because there'd be so many twists and turns with those four fighting. Do you think any of them beat Lara out of that? Obviously, he's knocked out two of them now. I didn't watch all of that fight, but it felt like Wood had found the way to beat him by sort of, Mm. you know, going to the body and being very tight and not getting into a slug with him. I can't see Warrington not losing his head with him because it's sort of like, like Lara was the sort of start of of Warrington's like slight slip really because he was dominating Selby, Frampton. He was the boy, weren't he? Go like, when's Vegas with the Leeds lot? When's the Ellen Road? And all of a sudden he gets beat behind closed doors by Lara quite convincingly. And then they're getting in each other's faces Then there was the cut so he couldn't get redemption. Then he spat him. I can't see him remaining calm throughout the whole flight but fight but I don't know I don't know much but it feels like he's not going to get worse at this age Lara at 24 you know I think that might have been the time for one of them to get him in that last wood fight he's only going to learn from that and get better and better and he's got so much power and he's so, and he's got that fuck you mentality of just I don't give a shit he's in the middle of a sold out night in the marina gobbing in Warrington's face and he does not give a <laughs> he's laughing yeah I spat at him what how can you beat someone like that? You know what I mean? It's like, he's not right. And like, and they're all going, it was good for Ben to chuck in the towel and he managed to take his kids to school and stuff. And I think that is, that's right. hundred percent. I back all that. But do you think Lara gives a fuck? You don't. Yeah, that, I mean, he's got that Mike Tyson <laughs> no. mentality where he's like, fuck yeah. school like drop. Roberto Duran sort of Lara's thing. ever done a school drop. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. He's just the Bronco don't do school drop. You know what I mean? Which I don't agree with as a progressive father, but I'm not in there trying to fucking take people's heads off, am I? You know what I mean? So, so you mentioned a few big fights there. So you're talking like Usyk, Fury, Crawford Spence, maybe like Baturbiev, Bivol, like of, of those big fights, if you could pick one that would definitely happen this year, which of those would you like to see most in boxing? Uh, do you know what? I, I don't know why, but I really want to see Andy Ruiz Wilder. I just think mm. it's got so many questions, especially a slim down Ruiz. He'll be so fast and he's so small that I just don't know. If I when that bell rings, I'm like, I've got no idea what's going on here. And I think they're <laughs> the best kind of fights. I, I don't know what the fuck. Wilder could knock him out instantly. Ruiz could run around. Ruiz could be 28 stone. He could be 17. <laughs> yeah. I, Wild, I just, I've got, if, I think if, if all of those fights are happening, it's probably between Usyk Fury and Wilder Ruiz. Probably Usyk Fury edges it. You know, they are the top dogs. But those two, I love the heavyweight fights and those two I just sort of think from a more of a carnival what the what what is going to happen probably Wilder Ruiz but the main one is Fury Usyk you just it's got to be done and then we've got the number one properly undisputed and that's what it's all about isn't it that you know rather than all the 15 different belts and stuff so your pod Parent in Hell you've had Eddie Hearn on there haven't you yes and we've been trying to get him on here Eddie Hearn goes on every fucking podcast apart from this one and we don't know whether he's ducking us whether it's personal whether he we've said something to upset him but it, it, how did you get him on we only got him I think because he had COVID and he was locked in the attic of his house. <laughs> How was he? Yeah, it was good. Also, he had a book to promote. So the key is when you're booking guests good for point. this <laughs> is if they've got a book to promote, they are contractually obliged to do a podcast. So what a good way is see who's got a book coming out in the autumn, slip in their DMs and go, look, 
you'll probably have to do a certain number of podcasts. Can we be one of them? We'll make it as easy as possible. We'll do it whenever you want. You know, I'd go on any podcast if they said that to me to get out my contractually <laughs> obliged appearances. So I'd, that's a good way in. So what book are you promoting then? Uh, nothing. I'm just doing it because I love George well, Groves. It, yeah. And you seem all right as well, Declan. <laughs> to be fair. Oh, yeah, so, right. What a dream. Good little bunch. <laughs> what a dream. Yeah. Rob, thanks so much, mate, for coming on. This has yeah, been excellent. If it goes out in time, I'm doing Nottingham Arena Parenting Hell Live podcast. 19th of April. Forget what I said about Nottingham being shit. Get yourself yeah. down there. <laughs> that was only a hypothetical situation if I was fighting Carl Froch. Um, and doing Wembley on the 23rd of April. We've got the, oh, the rest are sold out. So there's tickets there. So I should do some plugging, shouldn't I, while I'm here? Is that not in a marina? Did you, did you, have you been there for a fight? Have you been to any of the, uh, to Froch or Wood? No, I've not been there for a fight. I've been Wembley Arena a few times for different things. Saw George fight Rabrassi in a, let's face it, a uh, effective, boring comeback fight. But well done, <laughs> getting the win, yeah. getting the done. <laughs> I won't be watching that on the highlights, but no, We've all got. <laughs> That's and, one of um, our best routines, yeah. mate. Um, we watch, <laughs> you should set up at least the first week of every month. I want you to watch the Rebrass fight. The Rebrass Rebrass fight. Yeah. I'm going to do that when everyone goes favourite fight of all time. Groves Rebrass. It can't be many people. In fact, you're probably the first to complete the hat trick of Wembley Stadium, Wembley Arena, and come on George's pod as well. I've watched and performed. I haven't performed at Wembley Stadium one day. See if Rebrass wants a little run out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. We don't know if it's comedy because uh, he's in the gym <laughs> with the gloves on. Thanks, Rob, right, mate. Cheers, awesome. Mate. Cheers, lads. Yeah, nice one, Rob. How about that then, Dad? How about that? I didn't. I had no idea how much I wanted to see Rob Beckett fight Josh Whittaker until now. I know. But yeah. now I'm calling over myself. To, maybe it's a Misfits event. I want to hear what other comedians people think would be good for this pod. Well, uh, also, George, I did have a question, actually. Everyone keeps stopping me on the street saying, I want to be a leak lumber. They keep sending me messages and stuff. And I'm like, I'll, I'll speak to George. I'll see if he's got the answer. And do you? If the question you asked yeah. is, how do you become an elite club member? Yeah, exactly. You need to make sure you hit the follow button. Oh, okay. That's easy. Yeah. In your podcast app. You're welcome to get in touch uh, on the socials, GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. George, do you know the email address? ggboxingclub at crownnetwork.co.uk. We still need a name for our reaction and review episode series you can listen to our ring walk playlist yes on spotify so just get on spotify search the ring walk can you listen to that anywhere i can listen to uh, ad free these days yes you can go on amazon music can you ad free listenings oh, stop all the ads amazing it says here don't forget merch too another plug in bold be a part of history is all i'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate have Ta-ta. a good week you too Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.